1: Our new co-host is here. I'm happy to welcome TomTheBomb.com. Good morning. And we are thrilled to have you here with all of our new equipment. We actually look like we almost know what we're doing, don't we?
2: Well, maybe to somebody that doesn't know us.
1: (laughs) I'm just glad we don't have cameras in here right now. (laughs) We've got cords running everywhere. and, And we have our guest up on Zoom on the computer. And we are excited to have Joey Jerome with us today welcome aboard you're not on video my friend you're strictly on audio okay we just have you up so we can all see each other
0: There we
1: go yeah so this is this is tom's maiden voyage i guess is what we'll (laughs) call it and uh so there's no telling what will happen today or what will be said so joey please feel free to jump right on in with any any comedy or anything else that you'd like to contribute to today's show all right, great. Well, Joey, tell us a little bit about you. I haven't even had time really to fill Tom in on um, who you are, what you do, and why you're on here.
0: Well, I, um, just to go back, I grew up in New Orleans, and uh, I was actually just listening to some good New Orleans music, getting me in the mood for this uh, podcast.
1: A little Zydeco? Is that what you're trying to tell me?
0: No, that's no. Cajun music. I was listening to New Orleans music. <laughs> little jazz. Little Louis Armstrong. There you, there you go. go.
1: Just had to make sure you were on the right side of the tracks in New Orleans.
0: Uh, so, um, basically worked with my dad for a while, and the uh, recession hit in 2000 or 90, whatever it was, 80. I can't remember now. But I joined in 85. but joined the military in 85 and uh, wanted to just get out of New Orleans and uh, joined the Marine or joined the Navy, went to boot camp, Went to my first duty station, thought I was going to do four years and get out, basically because I kind of played around and uh, didn't didn't go to college. So I was 24 when I went into the military because I was young and foolish. And uh, so I thought I would go in for four years, get money for college and then get out. I then uh, proceeded to retire after 24 years. Uh, because I was having so much fun doing it. Um, you know, kind of like most people, you kind of find a niche, and um, you have fun doing it. I uh, ended up with the Marines as a hospital corpsman called DOC. I went with the special operations side of the house, the Force Reconnaissance Marines, which was, basically changed its name back to the Raiders. And... Um, you know, just had fun traveling the world, jumping out of airplanes, diving. So it became more of, of a fun job than just a day-to-day job. Mm-hmm. And uh, retired 2009. Finally went to college. Got my undergrad in criminal justice. Uh, wanted to uh, pursue. I was actually did an internship with the DA's office while I was in college. And... Uh, So because being a hospital corpsman, having four combat tours and putting many people back together on the battlefield, um, I had no problem walking into crime scenes. Sure. Whether it be the worst of the worst or any other thing. Uh, I had already dealt with situations where, you know, I was just fine with it. And uh, so I went. Ultimately, Because of disability, the VA offered me vocational rehab. I said, well, I'm going to go to photography school. And I was like, yeah, why not? I could go work for the DA's office, be a crime scene photographer, and have fun the rest of my life. And um, I ended up going to social work school. And uh, now the rest is history. I work for the armed services. Why now? I am uh, the director of military relations and program enhancement here at the armed services Y in San Diego and loving life every day.
1: All right. I'm a little bit confused. I don't know about you, Tom, but I'm a little confused (laughs) here. So we go from doc to the legal side of the house to be a photographer and we wind up as social work. Now that you're going to have to explain.
0: Well, when I went to the BA. I was thinking when it said vocational rehab, I was thinking vocation. Like, what, what am I going to do with vocational rehab? I love taking pictures. So I thought, you know, since I had worked at the EA's office, I'm um, DA's office, that I could, you know, just basically take that and make it a profession. And a friend of mine who is now the psychologist for the, I don't want to really say the name, but the LA baseball team in LA. <laughs>
1: that narrows it down for us.
0: Um, he asked, I sat down with him and he said, Joey, he says, you've been counseling people your whole life. He goes, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, have you talked to anybody about infidelity? And I said, yeah. And he goes, have you ever talked to anybody out of committing suicide? Yes. (laughs) Have you talked to family members and or military members about death and dying. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> he, he, so he just very politely says, you need to go into counseling. Mm-hmm. And I thought he meant that I need, I needed to go. To
2: counseling. <laughs> he may have thought he may have, that could have been what he was actually like, saying. What
0: are you talking about? He goes, no, 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 not you into counseling. <laughs> Cause he already knew that I had basically, he was one of the reasons why I was there. Cause he was a psychologist. Right. And, uh, so ultimately, uh, he pointed me in the right direction. I ended up in social work, uh, where I took the skills that I had been doing on the street with the Marines and sailors and people, uh, and actually learned a theory behind what I was doing.
1: Interesting. Yeah. And have you regretted it? <laughs> As somebody with a master's in counsel?
0: Um, no. No. Just like any other job, there are some days where you're just like, What well, what was I thinking? And then there's days where you're just you're overwhelmed with gratitude of being able to just to help one person or one child or put somebody on the right direction.
1: But now you're not licensed or a mandated reporter, correct?
0: I am an ASW by the Board of Behavioral Sciences in California, but I am not a licensed clinical social worker.
1: And so does that certification, whatever it is, does that make you a mandated reporter requiring you to report? Yes. Okay, so that's the difference in what you're doing and what we're doing at Under the Shield, Then that's the big difference. And so tell us us a little bit about what you're actually doing right now. I know you're working with the Y, is that correct?
0: Yes, the Armed Services YMCA, and what we're doing is, uh, as Director of Military Relations, what we're doing is Uh, bringing the word back into the community, it's kind of gotten away from us here in San Diego. And uh, so my awareness into the community is, what what do we bring to the military families and children? We, um, twice a month, we do a big food drive. And and I'm not sure if you know the numbers, but I'll go over them. 40% of military community family members are having food insecurities at this point.
1: Wow.
0: One, yeah. one because of uh, COVID, two, because of uh, inflation. Uh, so we're having these issues, and, you know, it's a need that we see. So twice a month we have food drives to um, help families to basically just kind of get over this hump. Sure. Because, you know, as m- military families, they're on a st- – Budget and they're basically straight across the board. They get this much money. Their cola won't go up until October when the new fiscal year comes. Right. Out. So what we try to do is we try to uh, kind of bridge the gap. We're not going to go in and buy you, you know, T-bone steaks and filet mignon and stuff like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you the staples to be able to eat peanut butter, butter, milk, the things that will help you sustain life so that you can take your money and go buy chicken or beef or whatever you want to have for your family so you're not spending it on every day to day everything that's day to day
2: now are you doing this for active duty or just veterans yeah. are you doing yes, this for active duty okay that's good cuz we well, all know so military doesn't make a lot of our money
0: uh, headquarters is is the largest military community in the nation hmm.
1: so it's just active duty you're not doing this for veterans who are out. Okay. How much of, and that 40%, that is a percentage nationwide?
0: Uh, San Diego. San
1: Diego. Okay. And how much of that, how much of an increase did you see because of COVID? Was that a big part of it or is it always that high of a number?
0: No, it was a big part from last year, basically with COVID, with people out of work, Uh, families couldn't go, the military families could go to work, but the civilian side of the house couldn't go to work. Right. So the loss of income, uh, I think the big thing for us is the uh, ability. We were the only entity in San Diego that didn't stop daycare or programming for kids during COVID year 2020.
1: Now, I don't know about you, Tom, but I'd never heard of the armed Services YMCA. Is that put together? Have you? No, I don't. How did that come about? Because I've never heard of that.
0: So, generically, what happened with the Armed Services YMCA, it was started way back by the seed money was started with uh, Abraham Lincoln.
1: Oh, (laughs) jeez. I guess we should (laughs) have heard
2: of it before. not a new program. (laughs) (laughs) I guess
0: we should have heard about it, Tom. Yeah, so, the Armed Services YMCA has been in San Diego for over 100 years. Wow. Uh, And so... Basically, it used to be, you know, the Saturday night dance. We had a dance hall, and, you know, the sailors could come off the ships and have, you know, Sadie Hawkins dances and father-daughter dances and all the fun stuff. You know, when you're thinking about, you know, 100 years ago, what were we doing for the military families? Right. Um, And it's just evolved over the past 100 years, and we actually are 101 this year, so.
1: You know, I I think I can see you dancing, Joey. I'm just not real sure about my buddy Tom over here. I'm just not sure I can see him out on the dance floor. But I could be wrong.
0: Oh, I can can see Tom.
2: (laughs) When I get a little liquid courage, then that would happen.
1: (laughs) That's the case with everybody.
2: (laughs) It wouldn't be pretty, trust me.
1: But, again, how did that wind up becoming part of the YMCA? At what stage did that, because weren't they independent of each other?
0: So the Y is basically a entity who the Armed Services Y belongs to, but we're a separate board. We have a nationwide board, okay. and then we have the local board here as well. And every, every YMCA, we have one here in San Diego, we have one at Camp Pendleton, and one in 29 Palms. And you would think that we all work for the same people, but we don't. National we do, but we all have our own boards and our own executive directors.
1: And this is a program all over the country?
0: All over the country, nationwide.
1: And it's an Armed Services YMCA?
0: Yes. Well,
1: you and I, Tom, we must have just had our heads in the sand (laughs) or something. Because the first time I heard that, I thought, I have never heard of that combination. I had no idea the two were even interrelated at all.
2: Yep. I know when I was brand new in the military and married and wasn't making any money at all, I surely could have used a program such as that.
0: Well, and that's and that's kind of what my job is. There are so many people who have no idea who the Armed Services YMCA is and how we can help you um, financially with food distribution. We have clothing distribution. We do, like uh, Saturday, we're doing giving away 500 backpacks to filled with school supplies for kids in the military going back to school. Uh, We have Operation Holiday Joy that's coming up, where we'll have uh, probably 500 families that will come in and be able to uh, pick and choose gifts to one, either take home or have the kids open them there. We'll have Santa Claus there. Our, one of our community partners, I'm back, uh, the Old Mission Beach Athletic Club, will donate bicycles, and not two or three, hundreds of bicycles. Wow. For yeah. Families to uh, take home for the holidays.
2: What a great program.
0: No it's kidding. An awesome, awesome program.
1: So how do, if there are any of our listeners that have no idea, like, myself and tom about this program but they are active duty uh, how do they find out about you in their area
0: armed services ymca uh you can go to the national site you pull, pull it down it'll say location you can put where you are and it'll come down and if it don't have one there it'll tell you where the closest one is and that's how you can find it
1: and then is there an application process for any of this or they just literally YMCA. walk in
0: Basically, all you have to do is join the website. So come in. There's a asy like ours is asysd dot org.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You'd go in. You'd sign up. Put your name in. Who your family is. And then once you sign up, you basically you start getting our posts for our food distributions, any type of tickets that we're getting through the San Diego Padres. Or we had uh, we have a we just got a big big grant from san diego legion
1: nice
0: which was um the local rugby team uh but they you know distribute tickets and you know so we'll say hey military families first come first serve come get your tickets so.
1: and there isn't a situation where someone who's active duty would be turned down for any of the things that you i mean obviously first come first serve but There are no criteria. There's nothing other than being active duty.
0: Well, generically what we want to do is serve E7 and below. Okay. Uh, Just because once you make chief or, you know, E7 or above an officer rank, you you make more money and you're a little bit more sustainable in your families and stuff like that. But we do not turn them away if they come in.
1: Interesting. Mm. What a, what a great concept and a thing to be a part of how are you using your social work side of the house with this?
0: Uh, with my staff.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mean that you're training them so they can deal with you? Is that no, what I, you deal, know,
0: I deal with them every day. <laughs> but the uh, no, the, the the good thing is, is because because of the uh, social work aspect of what I have in my in my heart and my brain, um, you know, changing the. What my other side of that is program enhancement, and how do we add things to our programs that uh, teach kids that it's okay to not be okay some days, right? You know, we're we're doing that with our staff, but how do we? It's hard to say because I say how do we program our kids to understand that it's okay, and trying to take the I don't ever use the word stigma because I believe there's a stigma with that word. Yes. Sure. Uh, I always say there's a barrier because there's always a barrier to getting help or asking for help. Yes. What is that barrier? And how do we break down those barriers to, uh, you know, all of us have grown up to know that we have walls around us. We build these walls to protect us. Just as the Druids did way back when, right? Sure. How do we... How do we take those walls and just kind of break them down so that we can all be one and help each other versus, oh, you're all messed up and this is what it is.
1: Well, you know, and that's a concern. We've had it under the shield. And I know that uh, Tom was in a training that I did down in Yuma for a Border Patrol on Monday last week. And, you know, I don't know when it became a weakness to ask for help. If, you know, if you... If you're building a house and you don't know how to do the electrical, obviously you don't have a problem calling an electrician. Right,
2: you're going to ask somebody.
1: Because you don't want it to burn down um, or electrocute yourself. But why has it become over time? And I think it's always been this way. I don't think this is a new phenomenon. I think the new phenomenon is trying to say there's no problem in asking for help.
0: Right. So, I mean – Looking back on the military, we used to call them weak.
2: Exactly, we it's more of a. Of those
0: people weak. Oh, but- you can't hang. You're not strong enough. Yes. And, I, I, and if you think back of not just the military, in society as well. But they- they're the outcast. They they don't belong. They they. there's always they. It's yeah. never we. And kind of what I bring to the table in my mindset is, hey Tom, you got a headache or you need to go see the doctor. Do you go to the doctor? Sure. If you got a tooth problem, do you go to the dentist? Sure do. If you break your arm, you're gonna to go to the orthopod? Sure. Why can't we make it normal for us who all have some type of trauma? Yes. We either grew up with trauma, have seen trauma, yep. all of us. I don't care who we are. Absolutely. Why can't we make it a normal day to day operation to say, hey, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. Right. I'm gonna call in sick. I'm gonna take a self care day. Or if I know that you're going to the doctor, why does it why does it need to be, oh, he's going to see the brain
1: doctor?
0: I agree. You just be going to the doctor.
1: Well, but I think that mental health has done a lot of damage in its own right, to be honest, because I think there's a huge difference in trauma and mental illness, but it all somehow or another gets lumped in together because we have to make it fit that little DSM that those of us in that side of the house are familiar with. But the reality is, that if you're breathing, You're in the DSM somewhere, Somewhere. but that, I I think we have to do a better job. And it's up to people like myself and you to differentiate between that. Cause this is what I run into with uh, first responders. I tell them, I said, y'all are crazy to do the jobs you do. If you think about it, firefighters go into buildings where roaches are running out. I mean, even the crazy ass roaches ain't sticking around. Right. And cops are going toward the gunfire when everybody else is running the other direction. You're crazy, but you're not mentally ill. We've mmp them to death. They've all been through psych testing. Sure. But the they're human beings, and the level of trauma and things we expose them to on a daily basis create the issues of not sleeping and vitamin deficiencies and all of those kinds of things but mental health still wants to label all this stuff as mental illness and it's not it's more about making sure people are mentally well which also means physiological
0: right because they're self-medicated
1: yes yes and it you know it it really it's sad but it amuses me when i hear of people going for substance abuse treatment and they get through the first part of it spending time in detox and all that and then they look at their counselor and go when are we going to deal with the trauma of all the stuff i've been involved in as a cop and they go oh we don't open that door excuse me right. um you think the person just woke up one day and said huh i think i'll start abusing alcohol or drugs or whatever just
0: for kicks or something i don't
2: know it's a learned and behavior that
0: Goes with you know how we look at even just what we're looking at with Simone Biles in the Olympics. Yes. Right. Yes. You know, but good for her. A uh, you know, a foster child who grew up with all of this childhood trauma who was never treated because you're an Olympian. You're this, you're that. You have to be perfect. You have, well, you know what? We're not all perfect. No. <laughs> we're not all perfect. We're all broken at some point. Somehow. Yes. And, but and we, we don't, we don't treat the trauma. Which manifests itself in different ways.
1: Right. And the thing about it, too, is I think a lot of times in mental health, too, we're labeling people and we're making them victims. And it becomes an excuse, an easy excuse for them when the reality is, is, you know, there's a difference in physiological traumatic brain injury and psychological traumatic brain injury physiological traumatic brain injury you know we haven't really learned how to completely regenerate the brain and certain areas and stuff but the reality is is the majority of people have psychological traumatic brain injury and it is just that it's an injury we don't call it a psychological um, traumatic brain disorder it's an injury so if it's an injury like any broken bone treated properly you can heal does it mean you forget it no, but it doesn't run your life. It doesn't have to become what defines you.
0: Right.
1: And I think, again, and as a master's level counselor, I'm criticizing my own um, so-called profession, though I'm, I've chosen to go the other direction uh, with not being licensed. But I think it, it also is a moneymaker.
0: Well, right, because if I can treat you today and bring you back next week, yes, guess I'm making money off it. Of.
1: And if I call it a disorder and not an injury, I'm saying it's permanent. I mean, that's what disorder means. We don't, personality disorders don't change. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's some I would like to change. Um, but it, are they treatable? Sure, but you're still going to have it. But again, it, I, I feel like we're almost self-defeating a lot of times in our treatment and our labeling of things being PTSD. And that's just not something I'm willing to do with people here at Under the Shield. We don't do that. I tell you, if you're a victim and you want to be a victim, go find somebody to pay $150 an hour. Right.
0: Or like like I always thought is, let me let me help you identify your triggers. Yes. So that when you know it's coming, you know that you feel this. What is your automatic... And, and I, I, I was teaching in a... a program here what is your automatic response when you're driving to work and you're late because you woke up a little late and now there's a traffic jam right you get mad What's your automatic response your you blood get pressure comes up your might knuckle on your steering wheel you, everything happens right you're, you're you're agitated already yep so what do we how do we fix that all right i tell people take a deep breath yes the first automatic response is, okay, I grip. Now I have to ungrip grip and take that breath. Relax a little bit. Sure. That's your trigger. You know what your triggers are. You know in a situation if you're getting aggravated or getting with your spouse and there's something that they're doing. Talk about it. Let's talk about it. I don't want to sit back. I don't want you to tell me a month from today what aggravated you yesterday. Right. I want you to tell me today so I can fix that behavior. Sure. I can fix that. So now your automatic response is your white knuckling your steering wheel, your blood pressure's going up. Now the next thing that's going to happen is you're catastrophizing everything. Yes. So, oh, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I am not going to be able to feed my kids. I can't. I can't. Okay. Is that realistic? Maybe. Probably not, right? Right. So you, Susan Seamus, you're (laughs) going to be the smart person. You know the side streets. You're going around this traffic jam. Well, guess what? Tom knows the same streets. (laughs) Tom's doing the same thing you did. Now you're on the side streets, red lights, stop signs, knuckleheads who don't know how to stop correctly. School zones. All of these things, right? <laughs> and now you're on the side trees, and now you're more aggravated than you would have been <laughs> if you just stayed in the traffic and just relaxed. Turn up the radio a little bit. Hey, I'm good. There's nothing I can do about it. Why can't I just call my boss?
1: That's, that's what I was going to say. That's my response. Right.
0: Hey, Tom, hey, Tom, I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm stuck in a traffic jam. Yep. Tom could be, as as an empathetic boss, could be like, Hey man, I get it. Sure. Or if he's in You can a say, it. <laughs> why are you late? He can actually go online and, and look at the traffic and say, Oh, I see that you're in a traffic jam. Exactly. Right?
1: Yes. Go. Sure. Well, have you ever heard of rubber band therapy? Yes. I do this with a lot it's of my clients. I, I do it with a lot of my clients. I'm sure Tom at some point. After being on this podcast, go after a little rubber band there. <laughs> but I make it right now. <laughs> I, I, I make them get the fattest one that fits the closest to their wrist. But you know what's funny with I, and I've had to do it with some of the military people over uh, at Luke Air Force Base. But it's so funny because when I explain it to them, they never pull the uh, rubber band from the top of the wrist where it wouldn't hurt as much. They automatically go to underneath. And I'm like, okay. It's easier to grab <laughs> Is that underneath? what it is? And I go, Okay, if that's where you want to do it, but that probably wouldn't have been my recommendation, but whatever. It's
2: more like shock therapy. Yes.
1: And you know, a few a few blisters from things you start to realize it ain't worth it. Right. And things start to change. Right. And I don't usually have to do it more than a couple of weeks. Let's yes, to the radio. sure.
0: Call Please. your mom. Call your
1: dad. Call just don't sister. turn. Just don't turn the news on. Let's not. Let's not do no. do the news. Oh,
2: yeah. But we still have <laughs> that same problem of trying to get people to open up and talk about their problems, right? And, and to learn what their triggers are. That's the hard thing. It is. How do we get people to ask for help?
1: Well, especially the macho types like you guys. That I mean, really and truly, what what finally came about that made you change, because you're talking marine recons, those were the badasses of the badasses. And truthfully, Joey, what would it take for someone to finally say, okay, I want to head problems off rather than letting this get worse?
0: You know, the best The best part is listening to somebody who was a hard head like me. Yeah. Who said, hey, you know what? I was that person sure i burned relationships i burned through girlfriends i was the number one person i never had the problem you're the one who has the problem and until somebody sat me down and said yo man that's some issues and until i realized that i was the problem (laughs) then i started to realize what it was and i think it takes for guys like tom and i who understand you know the macho mentality and being the biggest the baddest the bravest in the room and standing up until that somebody goes hey you know what i was that guy i suffered from ptsd i put 100 kids in body bags just O4 and O5." sure i understand what that is so for me to sit there and talk to tom in a group of men being going You know what? I've been on your side. I understand what it's like to jump out of 25,000 feet in the middle of the night with 130 pounds of gear on. I get you. I am macho. But I also understand that I am broken right, or have been broken. And I continue to work on it day in and day out.
1: Well, And I think that's where Under the Shield comes in, too, that it's important, just like at the training in Yuma with Border Patrol, that Mark, It's a Phoenix retired police officer, combat Marine got up and told his story about being in a shooting and being broken. But it's hard to find those people that are willing
2: to to share that,
1: right. To get up and share. I had a a veteran firefighter in here yesterday that um, we were talking about. And, and it went, and it's really interesting, Joey, because when I have guys come in here initially, I've had them so paranoid in the offices in my home. And I've had them so paranoid that I've had to pull my car out of the garage for them to park their motorcycle or their car in my garage so nobody sees them. And then within a few weeks, they're running around telling everybody that they were here and that they need to come here. And that's that's the whole message. But are y'all doing that over there in San Diego with people that are coming in to you? Are you encouraging them? We call it post-traumatic stress growth. When they will get up and tell their stories in front of their peers, are y'all doing anything along those lines with the veterans?
0: That's the YMCA, no, no, uh, armed services, why, no. How come? Uh, well, the the there was a a thing that happened before I got here, and they used to have a counseling service here, and it's uh, was cut because of budget, like anything else. Sure. Um, a few things cut because of the budget and um, you know it's do i think it's happening we started a program here it's we're hoping to get it back off the ground it's called flex and uh, it's a program that uh, we have a ranch here in uh, pine valley which is about 40 minutes east of here uh, on the interstate 8. and what we want to be able to do is bring police officers border patrol uh, military members out to a ranch and uh, relax. Yes. Tongue, relax. We want to shoot bows and arrows. We want you to. We want. We want to take you from. We say from scoop to saddle. <laughs> <laughs> because there is something therapeutic about mucking the stalls.
1: Yes, there is.
0: And I can tell you, me and my boss did it one day and. You know he's a he's a marine was a recon marine um Mm. and there's something therapeutic about standing there walking around in horse manure and just talking about life yes because there's no barriers there yeah the the pen is a barrier but there's no barrier there it's you and me we're in a stall and we are shoveling you know what So oh, you know, we started this conversation about you know the and I and I always laugh about it because as we look as we were standing sitting there mucking the stall, we were talking about food. Oh, God. But you know, Tom gets it. Sure, Tom could be in a, the bloodiest scene. And he could be eating a sandwich because he's hungry. Like, I know. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> it I
1: amazes. don't think anything about it. It amazes me at how y'all do that. So
0: as we're sitting there, we're looking at him, Man, we could sell these. And he's like, my, my boss is looking at me going, what are you talking about? I said, what is what is the craze right now? Plant-based foods. <laughs> <laughs> we could take smoke flavoring and barbecue sauce and sell these at Mountain Meat. Oh, mountain meatballs.
1: <laughs> oh, remind but me never to balls. eat at your house. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you kind of let the barrier down and you have fun and then sure. you become interactive with the person you're working with.
1: Well, and laughter is the best way.
0: Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: So now the, the big joke is mountain meatballs. You know? <laughs> Everybody here knows what mountain meatballs are. That was so, like
1: Rocky Mountain oysters. I got sucked into that in Oklahoma. <laughs> one time that won't ever happen
2: again i'd like to go see that ranch out there in san diego area but i don't want the mountain meatballs
0: (laughs) but you can come help me pick them
2: up okay i'll help
1: (laughs) yeah we're gonna we're gonna do that joey doesn't know it yet but yeah i've got a group actually the san diego sector a border patrol that i would really like to bring a group there um that's a group that needs it really all a border patrol does but that's because of convenience. First of all, they're close, and but here's my question: Do y'all have uh, sleeping facilities, or it's just days enough for
0: about thirteen people? Hmm.
1: Interesting. But okay, it
0: wouldn't, it wouldn't stop us from putting up uh, a tent. Sure. Or overnight process. You know what I mean? So.
1: Sure. No, that's something I definitely wanna wanna get back with you on and do that because I think there's it was a.
0: It really funny too because we were in a parade out there um, Saturday. And the uh, ATV patrol from Border Patrol was with us, yeah. and the mountain patrol, uh, pretty close by, was in the parade. And I just so wanted to be like, "Hey!" <laughs> but you know, it's one of those things you crawl before you walk. And uh, <laughs> I actually, went to um, a de- a, bre- a birthday dinner on Saturday night, and the wife of of the or the husband is a Border Patrol guy. Mm-hmm. And he almost cried when I thanked him for his service. He goes, I said, dude, I know you guys are working your no what's off right now. And he goes, Thank you. And I, I could tell he was sincere about
2: the thank you. And they are. Well, and especially the Border Patrol, they're so out of sight, out of mind, you know, most of the public and they're doesn't see them. Their rear ends off exactly on the border right now. Right. It's
0: crazy
1: Well, and exposed to a whole lot of stuff that that people really, I think when the general population thinks of Border Patrol, they think of the people at the checkpoints.
2: Exactly. Right. They,
1: they don't realize they're up in Blackhawks, they're up in fixed wing, they're out mounted, they're on ATVs, they're out in this horrible environment we have right now of heat, and they're finding bodies regularly. It, it's, it, and it's a lot of it's very sad. They're seeing. You know, it isn't like they're running into the cartel with every person they deal with, which would be a whole different subject, but they're dealing with families and children that are being dropped or trafficked or whatever, and then supposed to just go home to their families as if they've worked at a bank for the day.
0: Or like, you know, he told me he, you know, dealt with a eight-year-old girl who had been raped, multiple yes. rapes. Yes, yes. He was like, what? Yeah, but the... It is what it is, you know. And like you say, ego, they have to go home.
1: Yes. And we've got and to do more to for families. Their,
0: then they have to put the uni on the next day and go back down there. And right. do it again,
1: all over again.
0: And yeah. the same with police officers. Yes. God forbid. You know, we just had a, um, a a shooting here, officer-involved shooting, and they're questioning the officers because the dude had a gun. Right. right. How do you... How do you do this every day in a situation where the guy's got a gun? Oh, it's probably the officer's fault because they killed him. It's amazing. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's probably not the officer's fault.
1: Well, and the sad part is I'm, it concerns me, and I know Tom and I have talked about this, and this is one of the reasons I like teaching in the academies, because it. it I'm afraid we're going to start seeing a lot more line-of-duty deaths from people hesitating than newer one's. Because I actually had one in a training one time, and and he, something that came up about shootings, and it basically his philosophy was he wasn't going to shoot till they shot at him first. And I thought that is not a good plan. If you make
2: it, yeah, you might be too late.
1: Exactly. If you make it right, and that's that's kind of scary stuff that the country is not aware of. They don't want to be aware of it, and the people that talk defunding really don't know what they're talking about exactly. first of all and then they don't even want to take responsibility when that goes bad but it's it, these are human beings and i deal with them every day and i tell you there's no group that i admire more than our military and all of our first responders and their families the families put up with a lot of stuff and there's so many sacrifices but nobody's out there patting the families on the back either
2: that's that's for sure I, I don't think I would want to be in my wife's shoes where she's the one going and being a police officer every day. I, I would be concerned about her well-being every day.
1: Sure. And, and, and again, a lot of times we, I remember when I was married, and for those who have been listening know that my ex-husband is a um, retired now, but he was a DEA agent. It wasn't like I could run around the city talking about what he did. He'd be working a big case. It wasn't like I could call up everybody and go, let me tell you what he's working on. <laughs> wasn't a good plan.
2: Well, in today's environment, the trauma, even the families don't want to talk about what their spouses do. That's right. They're first responders.
0: Or and on the back and like the spouses, deal with the trauma that comes home.
1: Yes. Right.
0: You know? They're taking care of the kids, they're feeding the family, they're <laughs> doing this, but they're the ones taking care of the the officers, or whoever's on the front lines who's not sleeping, who's right.
2: self-medicating. Right. See, you are
0: ashamed up. to admit any of this. Sure.
2: And that's why we try to only tell our spouses what we think they need to know.
1: Uh, yeah, and well, that'll get you in trouble, <laughs> let me just tell you. Yeah, any man that says I tell my wife what she needs to know needs to be on my couch. <laughs> but, you know,
0: and the thing about it is they mo- they know more than we think they know.
1: Well, our imagination can be worse. We
0: understand. They listen.
1: Yes. And our imagination can be a lot worse sometimes. Right. And, you know, it's like Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman has talked about in the past that if officers aren't talking to their families about their job, where do they get their information? Television. Right. And he calls it the idiot box, and he's right. Sure. You know, when's the last time you had a day, Tom, as a cop, like NYPD Blue?
2: Uh No, NYPD doesn't Doesn't have a day
1: like NYPD (laughs) Blue. Um, And so, you know, where else are we going to get our information? And then officers are saying, well, you just don't understand. No kidding. How could we? If you're not educating us, and I understand the admirable side of protecting the family, but let me tell you something. The mood that comes home, if if we don't know it's not our fault, things could get really ugly. Sure. (laughs) Well, sure. And it happens. Yes, a lot. We had it happen in our house quite a few times. And children assume they're the reason, mom or dad, the cop, or even the military person are in a bad mood because they don't know any better. And then things start getting really bad and difficult to deal with, especially for children.
0: Right. And then they grow up to be us with child trauma. Yes. It's not taken care.
1: Well, it's a psychological garbage can that we talk about it under the shield, and it that that garbage can starts at birth. Sure, and things start going in it, and some stuff comes out over time. More goes in, but we have to educate people on what that looks like, and and that's where to me this opportunity to get people out that the the ranch you said is what like seventy seven acres. It's
0: thirty
1: three acres. Oh, okay, thirty three acres. And I, you can still get lost in 33 sure. acres. <laughs> that's not that's not a city block, um, but it, it's just an opportunity to to decompress with like minded people who get it. But then there's still the freedom to talk and share while well, you're the doing
0: it. Thing the other part that's really funny is we're buying laser tag.
1: No way! <laughs> oh,
0: so for, so for officers, right? Yep. For, DEA, FBI, police, whatever. They know this. So (laughs) it's kind of a release to go and do blue on gold, red versus green, you know, black on black force, men versus women. You know what I mean? To go in and and use your skills to have fun. Yes, sure. Got you. And nobody's getting hurt. At the end of the day, we tap fingers and be like, what's up?
1: Oh, that's a great idea. Sure Cause I, I know paintball has been a big thing right? for law enforcement officers and their kids. And that's a, that's a great, great way to release some stress too, and have fun. Paintball but hurts. It does, <laughs> but that's kind of half the fun of it, especially if you get to shoot your kid, <laughs> like mine's a Marine. I'd love to light him up a few times. Of course he would love to light his mother up, but that could have consequences down the road. Um, but, no, laser tag, that's a great idea. Have y'all actually had a group there recently?
0: No. Actually, we're just in the process of reinvigorating the ranch. Um, we're, we just bought these uh, uh, laser tag pieces, and uh, we're expecting the middle of this month to get them. Okay. They're all state-of-the-art. They, you can go from burst to semi to sniper mode to... All this kind of crazy things. There are <laughs> hand grenades
2: in there, but it's all about. Once again, it's all about building a team and camaraderie right.
0: of what you're doing. In at the end of the day, nobody's hurt.
1: Right. How far would that ranch be from El Centro? Tom and I are going to be down there at the end of the month.
0: Let me uh, let me look at it right
2: now.
1: Because that might be a good opportunity to go over. Take a quick. Yep, just take a quick sure. little detour over there. And uh, if Joey could meet us over there, then we could check it out and then maybe start planning some gatherings it's and stuff. Three
0: miles, it's, one hour, eight minutes. Oh.
1: All right, we may have to talk to you about that because we're going to be down that way the end of the month uh, doing a training for peer support at Border Patrol. So that might be an opportunity. I we'll want to... I know somebody's going to be getting close to retirement. So I don't know that that's an issue or not, but
2: it's not an issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And for those who are listening, our newest co host here, tomthebomb.com, is going to be retiring from law enforcement. And I'm going to put him to work. He thought he was retiring.
2: Right, and then I met Susan. She put a noose around my neck and said, wait, I have something for you to do.
1: Actually, it's a shock collar, but <laughs> it's a lot more effective with you time.
0: Exactly. Well, Joey, I, I mean, think there's – you spoke about Colonel Grossman, too. Um, you know, he's a guy that I read uh, on Killing and on Dying many, 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 many years ago. And I still espouse his sheepdog mentality yes. uh, when, I speak about, when I speak to people. Um, so I,
1: well, I don't know if I've told you, I, I saw Dave a couple of weeks ago. He was here in Phoenix and we got a chance to get caught up and he is coming out with a new book and it's called on hunting. So that might be a, another bestseller for him. Um, I, he's excited. I
0: love his words and how he, the perspective that he puts out. So
1: he's very passionate about what he does and, I've been very blessed to be able to call him a friend and a, and a co-instructor for almost 25 years now. And he, he wrote some science fiction books that one was called The 2,000 Year Space War or something that I, I, that one just didn't quite fit the mold for me. But um, On Combat and On Killing and all the others that he's had some level of input with i know he, he co-wrote one with uh, glenn beck but as dave likes to tell he wrote most of the book but glenn beck's name's the only one that's on the cover <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and now he's written some children's books one is why mommy carries a gun and the other one is called i think the sheepdog and uh yeah he's he's just doing some really cool stuff he's been way ahead Of everybody else, he's always been a forward thinker. And some are just now catching up to him. And he's been doing this 25
0: years. Right. And you're talking about science fiction. Do you remember the movie Soylent Green?
2: (laughs) I remember that. I do not.
0: Well, Soylent Green was a science fiction movie (laughs) where they basically, when people would die, they would
1: process them for food. Oh,
2: boy.
0: Every Every day was a different color.
2: Oh, geez.
0: Bob, do you know what year that was?
2: I don't remember. I know I was a kid when I watched that.
0: It's next year,
2: 2022. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Oh, wow. That's pretty scary.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that's, I don't think that's a movie I need to watch. <laughs> Although I could understand the concept for some,
0: possibly. All right.
1: Well, Joey, I tell you, we can't thank you enough for being on here. And there, I think there's going to be a lot of stuff. I hope we're going to be able to coordinate and work together on to continue to provide the resources and the services and the things that our military, that our first responders and their families so richly deserve. And anyway, we can ever help with your stuff. We're just around the corner. We're not that far. Tom's a great driver.
2: And, and- I love San Diego. Yes,
1: yes.
0: And, and we would be remiss without thanking uh, <laughs> Kirsten Leah walsh Absolutely, for making the connection.
1: Absolutely. She was our guest last week, and we had a lot of fun with her, and she's amazing. She's a
0: great, great person, doing great things.
1: And so. such a great resource in so many ways. Yes. One of the smartest people I've ever met, and she retains information like nothing I've ever seen, <laughs> even on my best day. But... <laughs> Again, we thank you very much for your service. We also thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk to us about the things that you're doing in San Diego and other programs that are around the country that I bet a lot of our veterans have or active duty, have no idea yeah.
2: about. Keep doing that great work with the active duty military. They They definitely deserve all the help they can get.
1: Absolutely. And we will be back in touch with you. I'm sure we'll have you back on to get an update and see how things are going and
0: when you guys are in El Centro, I'm an hour away.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Tom, how was your first day, buddy?
2: Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Really nice meeting Joey.
1: Yes. Yes. We are getting the swing of things here on the new equipment. We probably got some kinks to work out. But... Uh, I'm sure we did.
2: <laughs>
0: Tom, next time I need you to
2: not say so much. <laughs> well, I didn't want to totally take over the show. You know, I have to let the guests talk. He,
1: he, he's, he's stepping into it slowly, <laughs> but surely. And it's kind of hard to get a word in between you and me, Joey. I, I hear you.
2: <laughs> hey, one last question before we leave. How did you go from the Navy to the Marines?
0: So the, basically the Marines are department of the Navy.
2: Exactly. If you look
0: at the logo, it says department of the Navy on the top and the U S Marine Corps. So all of the dental, all of the medical, all of the chaplain corps uh, for the Marines is all provided by the Navy.
2: And a lot of transportation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Marines would tell you
0: anyway. <laughs> right. Did you know what the acronym Well, I can't say it on there. <laughs> there are acronyms for Marine, but it's uh, all good.
1: And I think we've probably heard them all at some point right. in time. But yes. anyway... Well, we want to thank our audience for tuning in and hope they'll join us again next week. It'll be another surprise guest next week. Uh, we're working on our lineup and hopefully we'll be able to put that out on Facebook or um, some other form of social media where people will know who's coming up ahead of time. And we just and, uh,
0: Can I just put my email out?
1: Yes, please do.
0: J Jerome, J-E-R-O-M-E at asymca.org. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me.
1: And you can also call us here at Under the Shield. We can pass on his information, and our toll-free number is 855-889-2348. Again, if you are in crisis, we never ask your name. We never ask your location or who you work for. And we will have our new producer, uh, Jay, but this stuff also out wherever they can on the podcast whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes Apple Podcasts wherever but just know that we appreciate all the sacrifices that are being made out there by our first responders and our military and their families and we just want you to know we're here 24-7 we can ever help. So thanks for listening we hope you'll tune in next week Thank you guys. Thank you Joey Thanks Joey. Take care.
2: Bye, Bye.